chapter 7, the work continues. I want to live where soul meets body and let the sun wrap its arms around me and bathe my skin in water cool and cleansing and feel what it's like to be new. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie. I gotta get the name of that song. Um, soul meets body, maybe? Okay. In the following weeks, I experienced a strong urge to carry a notebook around with me where I had written some of my most raw and most painful truths. In my school bag, on, fr on the front seat of my car, inside my house, the notebook just traveled around with me. I quickly found myself wondering why in the hell I felt like I needed to lug around all of this old baggage. I talked with someone about this, and I still couldn't really put, put my finger on the underlying reason I was feeling the need to carry this notebook around with me. In hindsight, I can see one of the reasons. I was clinging to my old self because for so long I had barely known who I was. Therefore, I didn't feel safe letting go of any part of me, even the most painful, dark, and scary parts of me that I had been trying to work on. By keeping my deepest baggage with me, it helped me to feel like maybe I wouldn't lose any more of who I was. This was obviously irrational, but here I was, nonetheless. The person I had talked to about this suggested I say a prayer and then burn everything I had written that I was hanging on to. I was way down to try this because in my earlier sobriety, Melody had taught me a ritual where I would pour my soul onto paper, say a prayer, then burn said stuff, and this ritual had always given me little bits of relief. I felt like burning this stuff somewhere I could feel a connection to something bigger than myself. There was one place for me that I had always felt a connection to something bigger than myself, and this was in, in nature usually by rivers or any form of running water. I decided to go to a nearby mountain where there was a river I loved. This felt important. This felt more important than the other things I had been planning to do on this day. So I changed my plans and headed up the mouth of the canyon. What came next is another one of my memories that I can recall in such vivid detail as if I am actually back there. The day was a bit cold and windy, and as I pulled into the mostly empty parking lot, I noted only a few people in the far distance. I parked and then fumbled through my glove box, and I was relieved when I found that there was a working lighter in there. As I looked around the park that was there, I spotted one of those gross implanted barbecue thingies that can be found in some picnic areas. I thought to myself that this was probably the most socially acceptable place to burn shit. So I grabbed the notebook and with a lighter in my other hand, I headed that way. When I got there, I ripped a few pages out of the notebook and then I rolled them into something I thought might easily burn. My hand shook as I held the flame to the paper, but it just wouldn't catch and burn like I had imagined it might. I cursed in my head and out loud, and then I recited a prayer I had memorized from the book we use in my recovery program. Over and over, I tried to light the rolled up papers, but because of the way the wind was blowing, the flame barely darkened the edges. 
I longed so badly again for a super dramatic cleansing spiritual experience, so much so that it had become a completely unattainable expectation. I guess that's what I thought it would take for me to have any substantial relief. I thought maybe the papers would be dramatically engulfed by flames through some omnipotent being, and I would simultane simultaneously be cleansed and free of all of my pain. Or maybe I would finally develop the ability to believe in or have massive faith in something in a big way, or everything might just suddenly make sense to me. I couldn't yet register the immense value behind the fact that I had actually already been developing faith in, area, in the areas I have written about previously. Faith in the power of a group of addicts trying to recover together and faith in the power of the deeper work one recovering addict can do with another. These might not be as monumental as finding a head honcho type of higher power, but this was a good start for me. I just craved and wanted so badly to have a connection with a being sort of higher power. I think because I thought that type of connection might be much more powerful and bring me some form of bigger relief. I was so sick of the way, despite huge amounts of effort of trying, I only felt, I only ever felt the tiniest amount of relief. All of a sudden, the notebook and what it represented just felt heavy as hell both metaphorically and in real life. The weight of the remaining pages in the notebook that still needed to be burned felt massive, and I realized at this rate it was not going to happen. Frustrated and with the notebook in hand, I gave up the impossible task, and I decided to walk up the trail that led to the river. As I bris briskly walked, I was overcome with emotion, and I felt like I needed to cry. I couldn't quite get to the point where I was able to cry, and this had been something I had struggled with ever since I had gotten sober. This place of not being able to cry reminded me of my time back in learning communities, and how when I had brought up so much pain through my writing, I had felt like I needed to cry often. I just had never been able to, because it felt like something was blocking me. I found myself now asking the same question I had been hung up back in learning communities, which was, why in the hell can't I cry? After walking for a few minutes, I came to a secluded place where I could be right by the river. I was so goddamn sick of lugging this notebook around with me, and it wasn't just the notebook but what the words that had come from me were connected to. As I hunched down by the river, I tried again to light the rolled up papers. The wind made it so the fire coming from the lighter again only blackened the edges the tiniest bit. It would not catch on fire. I felt intense frustration and anger, and I didn't even know consciously at what or why. I had learned from some others in recovery that anger is a dangerous thing for an addict, and I hadn't been quite sure I was fully on board with this yet. For me, I sort of felt like I valued anger in a sense. After all, when I had finally allowed my anger to come up briefly, this had been one key component that had helped me to lead me to where I was now. I thought about how I had spent so much of my life trying to keep others comfortable at the cost of my soul and how I had done everything I could 
to not feel harder things like anger. I realized in a sense that the few times I had let myself truly feel and express anger were valuable to me. The kicker was that I had done this all to myself. I thought of how much confusing pain I had always existed in, mental and physical, and how the pain had always been so weird, complex, and layered that I hadn't even known how to put it into words. The additional challenges I had to overcome daily still felt like too much, and I still couldn't put these additional challenges into words either. I just wanted to not feel so many physical and mental symptoms. Also, I wanted my hard work to mean something, enough that it could get me to a place where I could actually feel more than just the tiniest bit better. Suddenly, I became so overwhelmed with emotion that I just started ripping the pages out of the notebook. As I tried to contain the excess emotion bubbling up, my head shook back and forth, and then rageful tears began to flow. Irrational and upset, I proceeded to rip apart the pages I had torn out, and I belted out something like, I'm sorry, but the earth can take this bit of paper if it's saving my life. The earth can take it because it can't hang on to it anymore, and I don't want to feel guilty for throwing this in the river if it's saving my life. I threw the first batch of paper into the river, and I tried to fight the guilt that came after for doing so. As I ripped up the as the ripped up pieces washed down the river in a haze, I violently tore the remaining pages out of the notebook. I proceeded to rip the pages into shreds, and I just kept repeating something like, the earth can take this if it's saving my life. I can't hold on to it anymore. I had stuffed my feelings for so long that in order to be able to heal at all, I had to allow myself some outlet of my built-up anger. To get stuck in anger, I could see how that could be very bad for an addict trying to recover, but I literally had hardly ever allowed myself and my anger up when it, beyond when it had guided me to where I was now. There was value for me in learning how to allow myself to feel some of this built-up anger. To learn to allow this little bit of anger up was where I was at in my development and what I needed in order to move forward. In that moment, I just really needed to feel how I really felt, even if it was ugly, and I needed to let myself do what my body and brain was telling me to do. I know now that I wouldn't have died if I had hung on to the pages, and I definitely was not going to strive towards making things that were bad for the planet a reoccurring act for me. I love the environment, and generally I try to keep it safe. This act of emergent defiance on its own was a step towards healing for me because I connected to myself, my deepest self, again, and I did what I was genuinely genuinely feeling, even if it wasn't pretty, and even if others had told me it wouldn't be good for me or I could be judged harshly for it. I allowed the urgency of how I really felt to exist, and although I didn't want to get stuck here, It was important for me to let it exist briefly. Finally, I fully listened to my insights again, which were telling me, please let go of all this baggage right now and let yourself feel the anger, no matter the cost. The river can take some paper. The act of letting your authentic anger out is going to save your life. 
This was a symbolic thing, and my thought process was not logical, but it was still a powerful moment for me, and it brought to me my first big internal shift since before the episode. Where I was at in my development at this time, I needed to side with myself in this way no matter the cost. I needed to be on my own side and to allow myself to express this, and to do so meant that I was. Among the many other things I realized during this river internal shift, I could see I had spent way too much time and effort placing trivial things above the value of my own life. I also realized many other personal things that deepened my connection and trust in myself. In allowing my urgency and anger to exist, I felt like I had taken care of myself, and in doing so, I developmentally grew. After this experience, I would be better able to take care of my kids in the right ways because I grew developmentally. I honestly had not been able to feel hardly anything beyond anxiety and depression for much of my life, so feeling this other hard stuff like anger just briefly was such progress for me. After I came back to real time and the anger and intense emotions dissipated, I watched the remaining paper wash down the river. I found myself collapsed by the river and crying the good kind of tears that felt relieving for probably the first time in sobriety. There had been too much stuffed up anger and other emotional baggage that had been blocking me from my sadness. And now that I had allowed myself to express some of it briefly, I could just naturally cry. The last time I had been in a similar emotional place back in learning communities, I had gone psychotic versus making it to being able to cry. So in this, in that sense alone, this was major progress. I left this experience with a more conscious desire to learn how to value and take care of myself. In the days to come, I started to feel a bit more competent as a person and a mother and my life was no longer dominated by the neurotic fear that I wasn't good enough or that I may lose my kids. I gained a little bit of confidence because I had decided for myself that I wanted my next steps to include learning how to value anger versus being afraid of it. My new goal became to try to feel the hard things for a bit while also trying to stay aware enough that I didn't get stuck there. This experience also snapped me out of fight or flight mode long enough that I could ask myself some healthy questions. The first question was, what did I need? This might seem like a selfish question, and it probably was, but the stage I was at in my development, I needed to learn to be selfish in the right ways if I was ever going to have anything of value to offer any fellow human. After that question, the next most important question I could now ask myself on a deeper level was what did each of my kids personally need? What could I give them to help prepare them for this world? What could I add to their life? When asking myself what I needed, what I felt deep inside was that the inner child in me needed more attention and healing. I was led to this state where I sort of just naturally began to reparent myself. There was also this realization that came to me that even if a person grows up with the most perfect parents, there are going to be things that can be gained from going back 
and reparenting oneself. When I was young, I had stuffed so much of my anxiety that my parents honestly didn't even really have much of a chance to help me through that. I know they would have done whatever they could have if I would have found a way to express how bad it was. Now my t- now was my time to go back and try to give myself what I might have needed back then. This was an intuitive process that involved me being more strict with myself in certain ways and less strict with myself in other ways. I started connecting to and following this sort of reparenting intuition and I wasn't always consciously aware of what I was doing, but this began to guide me. I was more strict with myself with things like making sure I had plans in place, structure, routines, enforced self-care, and constant proactive action in my life. Basically, I began to broaden and deepen all of the things I had been training myself to do in recovery. By living stricter in these ways, this was helping me to overcome a bunch of the things I had always felt super inadequate over. Therefore, by finally learning and practicing what I was, I felt safer. Also, I ensured that I enforced the rules I had made for myself all throughout recovery, and this made me feel more safe because I knew the rules I had made for myself so far had come from that safe place within me. They had come from the most mature version of me, who only wanted what was best for me. The ways I was able to be less strict with myself came when I started to be able to look back on my life from a completely different view. I gained a new lens or way of seeing my life. This new lens had manifested as a result of my accumulated progress and my river internal shift, and it gave me the ability to see everything I had ever been through in a more self-validating manner. This started with me asking myself a very important question. What if every single ounce of pain I had ever felt in my life was not just in my head and had been completely real? My answer to this question was now much different than it would have been at any other previous point in my life because I had gained a better view of my own self-doubt and my tendency to talk myself out of my pain, both physical and mental. If I could let every ounce of pain I had ever felt actually exist without trying to morph it or gaslight it using self-doubt and or low self-esteem, this took me to a place where I could more accurately see all I had made it through. This new way of seeing myself gave me a completely different view, and all of a sudden I was legit my own hero. Another way I became less strict with myself and less serious was I naturally just made my favorite funny TV shows a deeper, bigger part of my life. Somehow, I used these shows to create a new paradigm that helped me to see everything in my life differently. This might seem silly, but for me, it was almost as if these shows had become a sort of parent for me that taught me this new valuable way to look at myself and the world. When I had been so anxious and sick in my earliest days of recovery, my favorite TV shows had been one of the only things that had helped to distract and comfort me. These were shows that helped me to laugh at the weird human things we all do. Think 30 Rock and Parks and Rec. Um, 
with two of my real-life heroes and surrogate parents, Amy and Tina. Now all of these years of having my favorite shows be a part of my life and something, oh, and something I turned to, I had suddenly developed a way to see myself and the world as if I was living on one of these shows. I think this happened around this time and not before because of the slightly increased confidence I now had from the river experience. I had to be okay with allowing these shows to have such a big role in my life. Once I wasn't ashamed to have these shows play such a big role in my life in this new way, this new way of seeing the world had manifested. Through this weird humor lens, I had gained completely human things that I used to be so hard on myself for. Now I could just laugh over them. Other things that I previously found so hard about the world and the people in this world, I could now laugh at too. This was the most immensely valuable thing for me, and once I acquired this lens, there was a pretty dramatic shift in me. I was on my side again, the side I had first found when I had begun to set more self-protective boundaries. My work with my sponsor on the previous two steps had been one of the catalysts for this more recent growth. This recent progress brought me the building faith that deep work between two people trying to recover can cause immense healing and save lives. I hadn't had the dramatic burning bush experience, but I had experienced deeper progress that manifested in the months after I had gotten through these steps. I was starting to believe that if a person did this recovery program work wholeheartedly, it could be possible for their insights to grow and change. Of course, none of this had come as dramatically as I had expected, because again, I can only clearly see and make sense of a lot of what was going on within me in hindsight, like I am now, through my writing. The weird thing is, at this time, I knew I was changing, but I couldn't see the specific ways I was changing like I can now when I look back at my life through writing. My expectations were just so high that this and the amount of pain I still experienced clouded me from registering the specific changes happening within me or accurately identifying the progress I was making. I also don't think back then I could accurately There's a page missing. Sorry, people. Um, we're going to end here and finish up in part two, figure out what's missing.